Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Before George comes up, why don't we look at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We have so many missionaries that we normally give the missionaries, um, you know, 10 minutes at the beginning of the service, because if we gave every missionary that visited, I would never teach. And so, but I really wanted George to, to have the whole morning. And so I encourage you as you turn to 1 Thessalonians, if you can write down at some point, remember and write down Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39 for your reading pleasure this week. 36 through 39, Ezekiel, and then Revelation 13. Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39, so four chapters, and then Revelation chapter 13. Really encourage you all to read that. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians, we read this, chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, and remember we've learned what that word means in Corinthians, unlearned or uneducated, brethren, concerning those who have died. Uh, It says fallen asleep, that's a polite way of saying those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The unbeliever has no idea what's going to... If you're here this morning, uh, as an unbeliever, you're hoping that there might be something or that you come back uh, as something better. No. No, this is the best you're going to get. It's one shot. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have died in Jesus. So this is basically what I look at. Is this a time about the rapture here? So anyone who has died prior to this moment in time in eternity is going to come back with Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died. In other words, they're already in heaven. They're not in the graves. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God... And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, see the truth, guys. This is why I'm reading this. And this was just in our daily reading. So I encourage you to do daily reading from Genesis to Revelation. This was just in the daily reading. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, I don't think people are finding too much comfort in the shot in mask in politics right now in black or white or whatever color they want to try to portray as everybody's a racist. There's not a whole lot of comfort right now. But in the word of God, there's comfort because we know the truth. And so we want to stay focused on the truth. Chapter 5. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that, that the day of the Lord succumbs as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day, and it's capital D, I personally believe, the day of the rapture, should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, here's the exhortation. This morning, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. So a Bible-believing Christian, that's you and I. Putting on what? The breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet of hope, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we're living right now or whether we're going to die, which we're all going to die, some of us are going to go up in the rapture. And what does verse 11 say again? Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also, notice this, just as you also are doing. And so that's my exhortation again as we've gone through another week of uh, potential chaos and anarchy is to stay focused on the word of God because Jesus said these days were going to happen. And it's not a surprise. God's got a plan. It's going to come to fruition. And part of that plan is the rapture of the church, but also the days we're living in. So don't try to escape it. Face it. Walk through it. And see how God's going to use you as George comes up. Because God does want to use you for his glory. He wants to use you. You are the hands and the feet. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Right? Well, this is George. And we've been sponsoring for many, many years. And so he's going to have a message to share with us this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You actually have no idea, Jim. Jim and I did not coordinate anything. You'll actually find out that we actually almost had the same message today. Abba, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would, Father, just pour out a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon this entire congregation. I ask you, Father, that you would give me a fresh anointing as I deliver this word. And, Father, I ask you, Lord, to give every person here ears to hear and eyes to see. We praise you, Abba, and we thank you for what you're going to do. May every life be changed as they leave today. We thank you, Abba. B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, amen. So, um, my name is George Wynn. I run a site called Worthy News. Uh, my wife and I have been in Israel for the last, since 2002. My wife was actually born in Israel. And the irony is, since COVID, what actually happened was, February 28th of 2020, my brother suddenly passed away of a heart attack. And by the time the funeral was done, the airlines had shut down. And now, like, everything's gone crazy. You know, I, I don't want to say we're, quote, unquote, stuck here. We've been redeployed here. Now, the ministry is still going on in Israel. There are still house meetings. We're still seeing Israelis come to faith, which is really an awesome thing. And, you know, since I run the news, I actually have to see for myself everything that's been going on. So in our travels, we were literally one week after George Floyd died, we were in Minneapolis. We actually went, I went into the middle of Chaz and Chad in Seattle. I was in the middle of the Antifa riots to get an understanding because, you know, I run a, a new site, right? So Worthy News, it was, it was founded on this verse, Watch ye therefore and pray always and may be found worthy to escape these things, right? The first portion of that is being a watchman, right? Each one of us has a calling, right, to actually sound the alarm. The king is coming. Now, the word watchman, one of the words watchman in Hebrew is the word notzrim. Can you say it with me? Notzrim. You've just said the modern Hebrew word for Christian. We're all called to be watchmen. But how can you effectively pray unless you actually get the truth? And so what I actually try to provide each day is really your prayer points. And then that we may be found worthy. How many realize the Lord is coming back really, really soon? You know, the media today is constantly lying. I mean, it is just nonstop. And if you're watching the news, 
you're actually kind of disobeying something. Because the Lord said, take heed that no man deceive you. Why would you leave something on that is not telling the truth? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it is actually, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. I read 3,000 headlines a day. The purposeful reason why I read so many headlines a day is because I can tell very quickly what is real and what is false. Because what happens is the stuff that everyone says the same thing, you wouldn't believe it's the talking points of the day. It's not journalism. And so what I actually try to do is actually follow journalists, independent journalists a lot. And when I put together the news brief, it's your prayer points. Now, there's a lot of things happening, and I'm going to talk about prophecy, but prophecy is not the end of the world. It's the birthing of the kingdom. You know, it's for a building encouragement comfort. It's not, it's actually, if you understand what God is doing, you understand your role in playing in it, you'll actually be able to fulfill your calling in these days. You know, there was a situation where Daniel opened up the book of Jeremiah, and he said, oh my goodness, the appointed years, 70 years are appointed, and then we're going back to Jerusalem. Now, Daniel, the the holy man of God who did no wrong. I mean, he's like Joseph in the Bible. You can't find anything he ever did wrong, right? His reaction isn't, let's pack our bags. He doesn't say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We should pack our bags. We're getting ready to go home. His reaction is, he actually starts praying into the prophetic word. He starts weeping and and, and mourning in sackcloth and ashes. And he goes ahead and starts confessing the sins of his nation. That he actually became an intercessor. He actually plugged into the very word of God. Now we're at this day and this age, you know, where we're going to know that we're in the seasons. The times and the seasons. And what we're seeing right now are all these things taking place. And we know that the day is coming, the day Lord is like a thief in the night. And it comes woman like a, a pregnant woman. Now, pregnancy, you know, obviously I'm a man, so I can't really speak into pregnancy, right? But, you know, there's certain things that take place, right? For example, as a man or any, any person, really, you would never ever say to any woman, unless they're like nine months pregnant, are you pregnant? You could get shot. Well, we're at the place now where Yeshua said, when you see all of these things take place and you see everything taking place, we're now at the nine-month stage. And the the inevitable question that's asked is, when's the baby coming? And the woman says, any day now. I mean, we know that's getting ready to take place now. I don't know about you, but I don't know any woman, right, that said they really enjoyed labor. I really wish I could, I could let it last for days because I really enjoy it. We're right now in the birthing of the kingdom, and the, and the word says the gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth. And then the Lord. We actually have a job to do, and while we're sitting here, we have to understand that We're looking at things, and we don't quite understand exactly how everything's happening. Just like no woman could tell another woman what they're going to experience. Words cannot explain everything they're going to experience. They actually have to go through it. 
And we were reading these things, and he says, look, you're not of the darkness, you're of the light. This shouldn't sneak up on you as, as a thief. And he says, look, in these days, you've got to put on the armor of God. You've got to understand that we're living in this day, in this age, where we've got to put on everything. Now, I will submit to you that when you go ahead and, and give birth, since you really don't understand what it's like, right? You, can, you have kind of a concept. We know what the scriptures say. But in reality, the scripture is actually still being unsealed to us even today. We have this passage, and it says, remember Lot's wife, and it's actually talking about the days of Lot. And if I would have said to you 20 years ago, it was going to be the days of Lot, your thought was probably San Francisco, right? You did not think that we were going to redefine marriage 20 years ago. That's a fresh revelation. It's, a, it's an unsealing. We know there's a very interesting phrase here, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife was looking back. You know, I, I, I'm very hesitant when we go ahead and say, let's make America great again, we're looking back. See, politics is only going to be a band-aid for an internal problem. I work for the Christian Coalition. I used to be a hard-wing leftist. I grew up in Maryland. It's the social state of Maryland for those that don't know. And what radically changed me wasn't a party. What radically changed me wasn't a platform. What radically changed me was the word of God. And if we're going to see a change in America, then we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will take place. If we get involved in too much of the politics, it can go ahead and distract us from our true message. And we're living in a day and an age where society wants to silence us. You see, Lot was grieved daily by the sin that surrounded him. And when we read the angels, when the angels came, Lot was actually at the gate. He actually wasn't in the city. And Lot had become so vexed, ready, that he was no longer sharing. He just secluded himself. He only had to convince 10 people. 10 people. Abraham negotiated with God. If there's 10 righteous, you will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He actually allowed society to silence him. We have to understand society is trying to silence us. It's not time to be silent. It's time to sound the shofar. It's time to warn that judgment is coming, that we have a responsibility. We see this passage here, and we shall see lawlessness increased. This fresh revelation in the past year is, all of a sudden, we're talking about defunding the police department. That's a fresh revelation that we couldn't understand. It's actually being unsealed as we speak. We're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. We see all these things, but I want to focus on a phrase here. See that you're not troubled. Now, layman's terms, this is my layman term, you know, translation. Stop freaking out. Just stop. These things must come to pass. And we're going to see nation versus nation. The word nation, there's ethnos or ethnic. We will see a rise, not only of, of nations, but really a rise of civil wars. Of things happening that are conflicted with one another. And then it says, you're going to be pestilences. See, until two years ago, if you went into a bank with a mask... 
you were being arrested. That's a fresh revelation. We couldn't understand COVID two years ago. And now we're walking into a fresh revelation, another situation that's becoming real to us. And now we're living in this day and age where all these, these things are coming to pass and all these wars and rumors of wars, I believe, are getting ready to do something. Now, the Iranian situation is actually happening at a greater pace because there's actually a civil war happening inside of Iran. Not only are they being really hit with COVID, but they're having massive electrical shortage issues. They're having water shortage issues. I just posted on my Telegram a, a huge riot that took place inside of Iran. In Iran, there are people now chanting not death to America, but death to the dictator. There is something taking place right now. And with this situation that's taking place, we understand that Iran is working toward a bomb. Benny Gantz, the Israeli defense minister, um, basically two months ago, said Iran was probably two months away from having enough nuclear-grade uh, material to build a bomb. That was August 25th. We are now past, we're into November. There was just an article that came out how they doubled their stockpile. There's articles that have come out saying they're actually trying to draw this out and so that they'll actually already have the bomb before they come back to the negotiating table. So these things are coming to pass, and we realize that, I, that Israel has actually been at war with Iran. There's been a covert war, a secret war for quite some time. And so this war that's been fought, you know, has continued to be fought, and this is actually setting up the stage. All the things that are taking place right now is setting up the stage for what Jim was talking about, the Gog-Magog alliance. They're, they're, the nations are forming. The, the Russia, Iran, Turkey alliances are forming. We're seeing the scripture actually being unfolded before our eyes. And we're realizing something, that, that Israel is actually at the point now where it is preparing for war on all fronts. They just dedicated a billion shekels for preparation for a war specifically with Iran. But the next time Israel goes to war, it will be a multi-front war. It will not just be a war with Hamas in the Gaza Strip. It will not be a war with just Hezbollah and the northern border. It will not be just a war with Iran, but it'll actually be an internal civil war. The last war that was just fought in May, our town of Arad is surrounded by 120,000 Bedouins. And, our, and most people do not realize the Islamization that is taking place amongst Israeli Arabs. There are 1.5 million Israeli Arabs that have full citizenship. They stayed inside the state of Israel in 1948 when the state of Israel was formed. They have full citizen rights. But what has happened is the, the Islamization has taken place. There was 80 mosques in the 1980s, and now there's almost 500 mosques. And now the last war that took place, literally buses, our town was completely isolated. They were literally taking down poles and shutting down poles. They were th burning tires in the streets. They were stoning buses. It was a lot of chaos. For the first time, synagogues were being burned, and all of a sudden they had an internal war. So the next time we go to war, you've got to be praying into a lot of different things. I believe that we're getting very, very close to all these things, but I want to focus on something. And I'm, I'm going to focus on what I call the, the outpouring of God's spirit 
Because there is something that's going to take place, I really believe, it's a water-breaking movement. You see, you know, in a pregnancy, right, right before that baby is born, there is a water-breaking See, I really believe that wars and rumors of wars are actually being used by God to actually do something. In this passage here, um, in the the first century, you know, the apostles really didn't fully understand what they were doing. I mean, it wasn't like Yeshua gave them, you know, all the blueprints. He basically said, this is your spirit. You're going to get, you got first going to get filled with the spirit. And then, you know, and they're trying to work out, you know, a lot of things. I believe it's kind of happening again. We're kind of coming in this day, and we, we got to be led of the Spirit to walk these days. And we have a concept, but we really got to be led of the Spirit. And in the first century, when, when the Spirit came upon Peter, you know, all these people were looking at him, and they're saying, what's happening right now? And Peter is quoting this passage in Joel. And I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. But the passage actually begins a little bit earlier. It, it begins in chapter, in verse 23. It says, be glad then, you children of Zion, or that's Jerusalem. For he's poured down for you the abundant rain, the early rain, the yared, the, the latter rain, the malkosh. Now, you have to understand that in Israel, there's two different kind of rains. And they happen at different seasons. And what we, we should anticipate is how the, the age began is probably how the age is going to end. You know, that Yeshua went up, you know, and, and he went up in Mount, the Mount of Olives. And he says, you're, you're going to see me. And he's coming back on the Mount of Olives. You know, there's, like, there's, a, there's a beginning and end. So you kind of expect something. Now, wars can be used by God to actually begin things. Now, who was alive in 1967? Just out of curiosity, who was alive in 1967? I just want to see who was older than I was, that's all. 1967, a very unique year. Israel fights a war. They recapture Jerusalem in 1967. They capture the Temple Mount. The weekend that that takes place, in the middle of Sodom, I mean, in the middle of San Francisco, with a bunch of people that didn't look like church folk, the church probably already cast them aside. Revival breaks out on the, 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 um, the hippie streets of Ashbury and Haight. The Jesus movement begins. A bunch of Jewish people come to faith. There's a guy named Chuck Smith that's on those streets. The whole Calvary Chapel movement began. There was a, a, a war that actually took place that actually kind of poured out a, 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 an anointing. The pressure was actually being used by God to get people refocused. And so I believe we're getting ready to come to this thing again. And when we talk about rain, it's so different than when it rains here. Uh, I'll I'll give you a story. Now, when I first moved to Israel in 2002, my daughter was born in 2003. And my daughter, um, very interesting thing, we were in Jerusalem and uh, we were there during all the bus bombings. And we were there with all the terrorist attacks. It was really a crazy time to live there. And I'm sitting at my computer, and I actually never experienced rain in Israel. I never knew what it was like. And all of a sudden, I heard, I honestly thought we were under attack. I never heard this sound before. 
And my wife was looking out the window and she goes, look at this rain. You know, we have a saying that it rains like cats and dogs. This wasn't cats. This is like hippo and elephant rain. I mean, you never saw raindrops so big. I mean, it was coming down. It was coming down so fast. Now, you have to understand that when, the, when it rained for the first time, my daughter was just born. And my mother-in-law had just come to visit. You know how mother-in-laws are. They want to go ahead and take care of the baby. They want to help you out. Now, my mother-in-law is very unique in the sense that, um, you know, when we got married, she actually uh, put together our ketubah. Now, ketubah is a marriage covenant. I'm a Gentile. I don't know what it is. But this ketubah is written in Hebrew. I'm signing a document. I have no idea what I've just signed away. (laughs) Now, there's something that men, we find out about. There's many things that we find out about after we're married. Right? Um, and, And husbands, do not laugh. You will be in trouble if you laugh here. Be very careful. There is something that's called the volunteer clause. Let me explain how it works. People call me up for something, and I honestly don't have time. And I will say, I I, I really can't help you. No one calls me anymore. They call my wife, and my wife says, yeah, my husband could do that for you. See, that's the volunteer clause. Now, my mother-in-law is sitting there. This rain is coming down. And outside of our street in Jerusalem, there is a flooded street within 10 minutes. It's three feet of water. My wife sees a car drive up a flooded street. You know you're not supposed to drive up a flooded street. Drives up, and the car stalls. My wife looks at me and says, don't you think you ought to go out there and help them? It's December in Jerusalem, probably in the 40s. It's freezing cold out there. They got themselves in this mess. They didn't get themselves out of it. It's what I'm thinking. Until I saw my mother-in-law. Always got to impress the mother. Of course, I'll run out there. Put on a pair of flip-flops. I got shorts on. I, I wade out in this cold water. It is so cold. And I knock on the window, and this elderly couple look at me like I was crazy. What kind of person's walking out on a flooded street? And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of person drives down a flooded street? Now, I didn't really speak a whole lot of Hebrew. But people, you know you can't push a car out of a flooded street if it's in drive. Right? I'm trying to explain to them that it needs to be put in neutral. And I actually didn't know what the word was neutral in Hebrew. So I thought every person in the world must know the alphabet. I don't care where you are. Everyone's got to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? I mean, I don't care who you are, right? So it is in D. It is in drive. It needs to go to N. So N, 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 N. Little do I realize N is like saying no. And Lee Kesef, I don't have any cash. And Lee Koak, I don't have any strength. They're getting mad at me. I don't even know why. But it was like I was saying, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. 
Now, meanwhile, my, the great helpmate that my wife is, you know what she's doing? She's on the balcony with the video camera. <laughs> I am trying to get out of this mess. So I did this smart thing. I reached my hand in the car to move it in neutral myself. I got slapped by a woman for the first time in my life. All I'm trying to do is impress my mother-in-law. I finally get them to put a neutral. I finally push the car out. And when I got the car pushed out, there's a guy at the end of the street taking photos. And I asked the guy, he said, you speak in English? He goes, of course I speak English. I said, you know, you could have helped me because no, that water's cold. <laughs> I go back in my apartment. It takes me 10, 15 minutes to get any feeling back in my toes. The next day, my wife gets a phone call. Her friend says, did George push a car out of a flooded street? My wife says, yeah, how do you know? He goes, oh, his picture's in the Jerusalem Post. (laughs) I tell you this story because Yeshua said this. He said, build your house upon the rock for when the storms come. He that hears and does what I say will not be moved when the storms come. In Israel, it does not rain like it rains here. It's completely different in the sense that when a rain comes... The ground is so hard because it hasn't rained for nine months. And it comes down like a monsoon, but there's no way to absorb the water that it literally creates rivers in the desert. There are actually places that people will run to when it rains to actually watch these crazy waterfalls that actually develop in the desert. And there's been many times where people have died witnessing these things. Yeshua gave us this word. He said, look, he that hears and does is not going to be shaken. But I'm going to submit to you something else. I believe we're getting ready to go to a water-breaking moment. And I'm submitting to you that if, you're, if your heart is hard, when the water-breaking, when the breaking moment takes place, it will run over you. See, the Lord told us that out of our belly should flow rivers of living water. That the anointing should flow through us and we actually have to get to our place of preparation and say, Lord, use me. You know, everyone, when they talk about the wheat harvest, or everyone, when they talk about the tares, they forget that we're actually alive for the, the wheat harvest. I want to show you a passage. This is actually in, in uh, the beginning of the age. Here were the Jewish believers trying to figure out what do we do with these Gentiles that believe. The irony is, at the end of the age, we got a bunch of Gentiles trying to figure out, what do we do with these Jews that believe? It's the same scenario, except reversed. At the beginning of the age, when they were talking about, what do we do with these Gentiles, he actually is quoting a passage in Amos 9. And the passage that he's quoting in Amos 9 actually doesn't end in verse 12. It actually continues on. All the Gentiles are called by my name, but in verse 14 and 15, where the passage ends, this was not applicable in the days of James when he quotes this. He says, I want to bring back the captives of my people Israel. Well, they were already back. I will rebuild the, the wastes and inhabit them. I will plant vineyards and drink their wine. I will make gardens. and I will plant them on the land. They should never again be uprooted to the land that I've given them. This end passage is actually connected to the Jewish people coming back to the the end of the age. 
The beginning of the age is how the Gentiles are connected to the kingdom. The end of the age is the Jewish people connected to the kingdom. But the whole age, the, fo- the centrality focus of the age is about a harvest. It says, behold, the days are coming when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, and him who sows the seed. It literally talks about a harvest so abundant they can't handle the harvest. Now, I want to show you a curve. This is a population curve. And I want you to get a concept here. For the first, oh, thousand years, the, the population of the world never really made it over 300 million people. Now, let's say a remnant is 10%. And, and look, I'm not saying only 10% gets saved. I'm just helping you use easy math. That means that any generation down here, the, the remnant, let's say, was, you know, 30 million. We're actually alive, and we're actually up here. At, we're at 7.7 billion people. That means the remnant here will probably be greater than the remnant of all this combined. We have the greatest opportunity that we've ever had. But we're focused on the tares, focused on everything that's wrong. When God has actually appointed us for the season, for the greatest harvest the world has ever had. And you're alive for this. You have to understand that you have a calling. When Yeshua was given this parable, it's a very interesting thing because they, they, uh, they were coming to Yeshua and they said to him, and they heard these things, he proceeded to tell them a parable when, at, because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. How many believe the kingdom of God is getting ready to appear immediately? See, this parable was actually written for us. And what he actually gave through the parable, he said, look, engage in business till I come. He that got 10 made 10, he got 5 made 5. But he really had a strong word for those that buried it. I know that a lot of the, the thinking is how can I escape these things? God has not called us to escape this world. God has called us to redeem this world. We do have a blessed hope, but that doesn't negate the fact that we have a job to do. How many want to stay in the birth pangs? I like to give birth as long as possible. We got to get about business of actually sharing this good news. Now, whoops. This passage here, very unique passage in Isaiah, because prophetically God has already said, prophetically, that it's going to raise up watchmen. Who's a watchman? All of you. He said, I'm going to raise up watchmen. They're going to pray into the peace of Jerusalem. They're going to make sure that they don't give God any rest until this actually takes place. He actually told us beforehand that he's prophetically going to have us walk into something. And when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what are we actually praying for? For the Sarsalem, the Prince of Peace, to come back. Because we know that true peace is only going to happen when the Prince of Peace comes back. So what we're actually praying for is that will be done, that kingdom come. 
But what I fear that is that is taking place is that we don't understand our calling. You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, when Mordecai says to Esther, when Mordecai says to Esther, hey, look, if you don't rise up, don't worry. Deliverance will come from another place. The plan of God was going to happen with or without Esther. The plan of God's going to happen with or without us. He doesn't need us. But what he's saying to us is, will we participate? Will you understand the calling that you have? Will you understand the seasons that you're in and understand the opportunity that we have? We're at a place now where we're seeing now more opportunity to share the good news. It's going to be a whole lot easier to share the good news. You know why? Because it's going to take a lot more faith not to believe the last few scriptures that won't be fulfilled than to believe all the scriptures we've already seen fulfilled. We have the, the weight of evidence on our side. And praise God, that actually strengthens our faith. Praise God, that actually helps us understand we're almost home. Let's not finish this race like, oh, I can't believe it. In a relay race, when a baton is passed from a person to person, the last person or the last person that runs the race is called the anchor leg. The anchor leg is the strongest runner to finish the race. God called you for this season to be the anchor leg. That he's actually allows you to be alive for this season. We have more opportunity than we've ever had. But I believe what's taking place is that the enemy is overwhelming us with fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. There is a spirit of fear if you watch the news. It is constantly sowing fear into your life. But God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Now, fear can go two different ways. Flee everything and run. I don't, I don't want to know. I'm going to go ahead and bury my talent. I'm going to go ahead and be quiet. Or fear can be face everything and rise. We understand that we are alive for this season. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness the peoples. Is that not the season that we're in? But then the promise is the glory of the Lord is going to come upon us. And get this, not only is the glory of the Lord going to come upon us, but the nations are going to see our light. They're going to come to him. We have to recognize that fear is trying to, trying to bind us up in ways that we can't even begin to understand. As I've been going around the country, I know that this is an overwhelming situation. That I've talked to many people that can't sleep at night. They're overwhelmed with anxiety. 
overwhelmed with worrying about getting COVID, worried about, you know, how am I going to provide for my family if I can't work, worried about all these things. The Lord, the, the, the enemy is trying to put upon you such fear that you have become paralyzed by the fear. I'm going to invite you to say no more. I'm going to invite you to understand that the love of God should be upon you so strong that all fear is cast out. I want you to understand that we have victory in the name of Jesus. That we're kings and priests of the most high God. That we have a calling. And our calling is to greater than we can even begin to exceedingly abundantly, more than we can ever ask or think. We are kings and priests of the most high God. We have a calling. It's time to walk in victory. And I'm declaring to you, do not walk out of here feeling like you're a loser. It's time to walk out of here saying, no more. No more. As I go ahead and blow the shofar, the shofar was blasted, right? The shofar was blasted as a sound of victory. It was sounded to go ahead and declare victory over the enemy. I'm going to blast the shofar, and I'm going to use it as a symbol saying, no more. That you're going to say, no more. I'm not going to submit to fear. I'm going to lay it down at the cross. I'm going to go ahead and walk out of here victorious. I'm not going to let the enemy beat me up anymore. I have a job to do. I'm going to go ahead and share the good news. I'm not going to let the enemy silence me in the day that I'm in. I'm not going to go ahead and be at a a position where I don't realize what's coming. I understand my calling now. I'm going to pray into the prophetic word. I'm going to see God work in my life. I'm going to see the, the world around me transformed. Because as soon as you walk out this, at these doors, you are already on the mission field. So, Abba, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would seal this word. I ask you, Father, that you would give every person here a heart of victory. I ask you, Lord, that you would bind up the spirit of fear, that you would cast it out of our midst, that you would do a work inside of each person here, that you would revitalize the Lion of Judah that's within them, that they will walk out of here victorious. We thank you, Abba B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, amen. just want to remind you guys that we did not coordinate this. Um, they let us know months ago that they were coming, and this ties in perfectly with what we're talking about, right, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Um, if you're new or visiting, this, is, this was not a pep talk. <laughs> this is talking about the Holy Spirit, and we cannot do these things in and of ourselves. We need more of the Holy Spirit as we've been learning, right? Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, and my Father, my Father will give you. It's a promise. It's a guarantee will give you more of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you're struggling, I just want to really make this clear, because um, sometimes even when I teach, I forget to emphasize this. I just want to really make this clear. It's not within you to do this. It's if the Holy Spirit is within you that you're going to be able to do it. So as you go out into your mission field, that's what we have over our doors. As you go out into your mission field, we, I, you, we have to ask for more of the Holy Spirit throughout the day. Not just on Sunday morning, 
throughout the day, throughout the hours, minute by minute. Don't be afraid when you find yourself in that awkward position, as Nehemiah did before the king. He threw up a prayer. Throw up a prayer, and God will give you more of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. If anyone needs prayer, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you receive Jesus as your Savior. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Stay focused on Jesus. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.